Hello, this is Peter Woolfolk. First, let me say thank you so much for being a listener. Now, I want to alert you to our shiny new podcast website located at podpage.com. However, you can go directly to the podcast site located at www.publicrelationsreviewpodcast.com. There, you can contact me through email. You can leave a voice message. You can leave a review. You can read an episode blog and frequently learn about the podcast guests. You might also want to suggest podcast topic ideas or even suggest a guest. You can also let me know if you would like to receive our podcast listener logo that you can post on your social media. So I look forward to hearing from you about our new podcast website, www.publicrelationsreviewpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Public Relations Review Podcast and have a great day. Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review Podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast and to listeners all across America and around the world. Now, just a very quick note. Data shows that this podcast now has listeners in 887 cities spread among the United States and the 83 foreign countries where we have listeners. Now, needless to say, however, that 70% of our listeners are right here in the United States of America. One other thing, I'm very, very pleased to announce that the Public Relations Review is now available on Amazon Alexa. So all you have to say now is, Alexa, play Public Relations Review podcast, and it'll bring us right up. So now, as you know, influence are now an integral part of today's marketing efforts. So what impact will influencers have in 2021 that marketers and PR professionals should be on the lookout for as they develop their marketing plans? Now, my guest today has an answer to that question. She is Lauren McNutt, the Senior Director of Word of Mouth Advertising at Empower Media Marketing. She joins us today from Cincinnati, Ohio. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Good. Now, in your March article that appeared in PR Daily, you offered predictions about influencer marketing for 2021. First, how did you go about determining that influencer changes were on the horizon? And then once we understand that, then let's actually talk about the predictions that, that you made. Yeah, you know, when I was thinking about predictions for 2021, I actually spent a lot of time reflecting back on the crazy year that was 2020. Um, I think we can all agree it certainly was a year that we will never forget. Um, it shifted the way we work, where we work, how we work. And really in influencer marketing, it shifted who we work with and why. So I really spent a lot of time thinking about what we learned and how that'll impact this upcoming year, because there are definitely some shifts that were made in 2020 that I think are here to stay. Okay. Well, let's start off with the first one. When you talk about macro, nano, and macro influencers. Yeah. So, you know, when we think about micro, nano, and macro influencers, everybody kind of has a different range of where those fall. 
based on the number of followers that they have. So your nano influencers are your smaller up and coming influencers. They probably have less than a thousand or even less than 5,000 followers. Your micro is that next level up. So they have between the 5,000 and about 100,000 followers um, across their channels. And then the macros are usually the 100,000 plus, and then it goes all the way on up into the celebrity category. So we've been talking a lot about how micro and nano influencers are gonna be stealing spend from our macro, macro influencers. So while there will oftentimes still be a place for our macros and even those celebrity influencers, we've seen a really sharp uptick in the use of micro and macro influencers. And there's a bunch of reasons for that. For one, they oftentimes see a higher organic engagement rate. That is a lot, thanks in large part to their carefully curated audiences. They also frequently go above and beyond for the brand. So whether that's because they genuinely love the product and or they're looking for more content to fill their feeds, but they're really great to work with for those reasons. And also, as you're on a tighter time crunch, since they are so eager to work with brands, they want to put their best foot forward. Plus, they oftentimes at this point in their career don't have an agent to be the bottleneck. So when working with micro and nano influencers, we've been able to get them contracted really quickly and get content in market extremely fast because they are so eager. So we do see the spend shifting from micro, from macro down to micro and, uh, and nano influencers in 2021. Mm-hmm. Now, just for perhaps some of our listeners, how do you go about identifying influencers? Because maybe there's a new company here that they've got something that they would like to begin to present to the public. How do they find these influencers? Yeah, you know, in our process, we start first and foremost by creating vetting criteria for who we're trying to find and why. So want to get alignment from the brand on what is of utmost importance to them. So if it's a new product, it might be, have they talked about something in the similar vein um, on their channels before? So we want to make sure that we're establishing what is most important to the brand and then looking really critically at the variety of influencers platforms, um, making sure we're not just narrowing in on one platform, but looking across the variety to make sure that their message resonates with our target audience. So we can do that the organic way and, and do some searching within platform, but there are a lot of tools depending on your budget that you can get your hands on and that can help you with the vetting that can do some searching. So we use a tool called Tagger and we're able to go in, check out audience data, and also look through their content, what performs the best, and then do some searching within there for keywords to see if they're in line with the brand's overall objectives. Okay. One of the things that you, another thing that you bring up, of course, in authenticity, one would think that that's automatic. Why is that so important? And how do you go about judging whether they are authentic or not, or who needs to be authentic? Yeah, I mean, you're right. Authenticity has always been of utmost importance when it comes to influencer marketing, you know, but somehow in 2021, it'll be more important than ever because our influencers are really, really under microscopes from their followers. Um, And that's where that extensive, extensive vetting comes into play because an internet troll will go back and they will read their content from years before. And so we don't want to put anybody in the limelight that may backfire and look really bad and put the brand on blast. So we want to make sure we aren't going viral for the wrong reasons. And so that's going back and not being afraid to really dig into their channels, see what they're talking about, 
as their followers have grown, has their message changed? Are they working with a variety of different competitors back to back or are they loyal to one product? So it all really goes back to that extensive vetting. And while there definitely are tools to help, it is definitely an art and a science where we do need to spend some time with each of our influencers doing that vetting so we don't put someone forward that could, like I said, make us go viral for all the wrong reasons. So it's really important, perhaps, if you intend, if your intention is to become an influencer, to understand that your history might be a problem if, in fact, you have not been authentic since since you started your efforts to become an influencer. Absolutely. And I think, you know, just as we are putting them under a microscope and making sure that their content makes sense, we expect influencers to do the same for the brand and not just say yes because we may be willing to give them product or payment, but say yes, because they believe in the product or the service that we're marketing. Because it really has to go both ways because it's up to the influencers to make sure the brand is a fit for them as a product they appreciate. And it's important for us to make sure that they would be the right fit to be spokesperson in one essence for the brand. Mm -hmm. Now, have you detected any sort of differentiation between authenticity between the, let's say, the the nano, the uh, micro and the macro influences? Have you detected ever any authenticity differentiation there? Um, Not necessarily. I mean, I do think our micro and our nano influencers, they're trying to build up the brand. So they're definitely being careful with who they work with. You know, some of the ones that are maybe a macro or a celebrity, perhaps they've been around for a while. So there will be some maturation that happens over time. But I don't think necessarily the follower count is indicative of whether or not they are being authentic or not. Okay. Now, this is just another sort of uh, exploration here, but in terms of influences, how do you make a distinction? Let's say if you want to reach somebody that is well-known, perhaps a TV person, uh, maybe a sports person, or just a person who makes their living at being an influencer, how do you go about deciding how to choose between that range of people that might be available? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on the overall objective. Um, You know, there are some influencers that really help move the needle in terms of awareness. So if that's your KPI, it may make sense to work with somebody that's a larger celebrity, have a, has a natural built-in following there. But, you know, if you are looking to perhaps move the needle with sales, we see a lot of success with working with the macro and the micro there because people are going to their channels expecting for them to share products that are really great and that they appreciate. And, you know, in 2020, when we weren't able to get out and in stores, people were looking to influencers to help them with their shopping. So we saw a large uptick in our lifestyle influencers, and they're able to show KPIs now um, where they're able to move the needle with sales. So it really depends on what you're looking to do in terms of awareness or sales, purchase intent, et cetera, of who you may want to work with to help share that message on your behalf. Mm-hmm. Now, is there a difference uh, in terms of looking for influencers between products to uh, promote and services to promote? Um, I think a little bit. It just kind of depends on on what that product or service is. I think overall it's a similar mind frame of setting up that vetting criteria and doing the extensive research, but it just kind of depends on the product or service who makes the most sense for that. Okay. All right. The Probably the number three here, you talk about taking a stand as essential. Uh, sort of expand on exactly what you mean by that. 
Yeah, it's funny. Um, you know, a lot of brands that we've worked with over the years have come to us and talked about wanting to become a lifestyle brand. I think a lot of people want that kind of genre tied to them, their lifestyle brand. And we've told them to do so. They really can't shy away from taking a stand on issues that matter to their consumers. So I know it takes a lot of guts to do that because look at what happens with like a Nike and Colin Kaepernick. They obviously saw a lot of backlash from that, but they also have a lot of people that are very loyal to their brand that appreciated them taking a stand. Another example of that might be like a Patagonia. They're always talking about environmental issues that they've stood up for. And it can be a little bit risky, but now it's no different for our influencers. You know, in previous years, we were probably looking for influencers who shied away from anything that we would say is quote unquote controversial. Well, now our consumers expect that from us. We saw that a ton in 2020. It's already happening in 2021. And we want our influencers to not be scared to do that and to ensure the people that we're working with are in line with the company's values. So the things that they're taking a stand on are in line with what the brand stands for and thus what their consumers stand for. So I would expect consumers and influencers to demand action in 2021 of the brands, just as our consumers are expecting influencers to demand action and have it not really just be lip service, but what else are you doing? So just posting a black square isn't enough. We want people to be taking a stand and moving action forward to have a better America or wherever country you're listening from for all of us. Well, let me sort of support that because I'm a Washington, D.C. native. I'm here in Nashville, Tennessee now, but the Washington, the former Washington Redskins became an issue for, has been an issue for years when even some Native Americans approached the owner about making that change, and uh, he refused. But last year, when uh, some of their uh, major sponsors, the Washington football team, plays in FedEx Field just outside of D.C., and FedEx came to them and said, you know, you've got to make that name change or we are withdrawing our financial support. Not only that, but then some of the other sponsors also followed, uh, Pepsi-Cola, just a bunch of them. So that's how the Washington football team name showed up, simply because he would, did not want to let that money go, but the uh, FedEx and the others had an impact on making that change happen that had been asked for for years, for uh, even from the public and, and Native American groups. In addition, there have been some other things that happened, such as Auntie Mama, that brand moved that out of the way, uh, and Uncle Ben's rice, has, that has dropped for something else. So people are paying attention and there's no question that taking a stand uh, has, has benefits. Uh, there might be some blowback, but what I have been able to see that there has been mostly positive response to that. I totally agree. And, you know, a lot of that, I will say, is long overdue. And I'm glad that as a consumers and even as big brands that we are, you know, putting our money where the mouth is so to speak, or, you know, I'm not saying let's go out and boycott everything, but, you know, if people aren't willing to buy that product, it is time to make a change. And I think we've seen a lot of that over the last year, and I don't expect it to slow down anytime soon. Um, you know, obviously it's Black Lives Matter last year, and now we're moving into the anti-Asian hate. It's just something that's going to be part of our everyday culture, and we need to make sure our influencers appropriately stand up for what they believe in and aren't afraid to shy away from something that may be slightly controversial in years past, but it's now uh, more acceptable and, like I said, more than just lip service. Mm -hmm. 
Well, one of the other things you bring up in terms of uh, what's happening in 2021 is representation. So give us a little bit uh, more background on that as well. Yeah, and you're, you're exactly right. It's, you know, in the same vein as representation and, you know, influencers working with the brand should look like your consumers. So this is an industry when you think about influencer marketing, it largely started out as, frankly, white mom bloggers. And it has evolved so drastically over my career. And, you know, over the last decade, now we're really seeing a diverse range of people with different backgrounds that are talking about different subjects. So it's not just a white mom blogger, but now we have people of all these different backgrounds that our brands can now work with. And, you know, as I said in my article, you know, marketers will be taking a good hard look at rosters to ensure it equally represents the diversity of their consumer segment. And, you know, brands, must be inclusive in their influencer selection if they weren't doing that already um, moving forward. And again, it's just that higher standard that we're holding ourselves to that, you know, 2020 really pushed us towards and 2021 is all about that action and making sure that the influencers we work with look like that consumer segment that we're going after. It's interesting because I've noticed that recently, when I look at TV right now, I can see far more uh, Asian Americans in TV commercials, Hispanics. One of the other things that has really popped up is interracial couples. So I'm just the reflection of lifestyle changes, if you will, and full representation has become really, really uh, very prominent, particularly on TV and perhaps even some uh, print ads as well. And well, perhaps through uh, through influencers. Yeah, definitely. It's funny you say that because I was just thinking about when Cheerio came out with their commercial with the interracial couple and it was it became huge news. And now, like you said, it's, it's everywhere. It's kind of table stakes because, you know, America specifically, we're a melting pot. There are interracial couples all over the place and it should your commercials, your influencers, everything should be a representation of your consumer set so that your consumer can envision themselves wearing that product or using that mm-hmm. service because people like them that look like them are using that. So it's been interesting to see how it was so shocking to see a lesbian couple or an interracial couple a couple of years ago. And now you don't really bat an eye at it because that's what you're used to seeing in everyday life. And so it should certainly come to life in our advertising, in our media, in our entertainment. Well, one of the several groups of people that might not be that large but somehow need to be present, I think of uh, the disabled uh, seniors, that sort of thing. I remember maybe sometime last year I did a, a podcast here on marketing to the blind. So that broad group of disabled, a couple of years ago, I recall, I believe it might have been Walmart who had a disabled person in a wheelchair featured in a large print ad. So has that area, the disabled, have, do they have influences as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, everybody has a story to tell, and we have certainly seen that across the board. And, you know, there are people that are talking about um, serious health issues. There are people that are talking about living with disabilities. So, yeah, it certainly spans a variety of topics. And that's what's kind of cool about this space is that it's not so limited as it once was. But now there's such an opening for people to talk about everything from disabilities to cancer to diabetes, et cetera. And so there are opportunities not just for CPG brands, but, you know, we work with healthcare services and sometimes it makes sense to pull in influencers for that because they do have a following within their local market where they can talk about their health experience 
and where they received really great treatment. So honestly, what started out as such a narrow focus at Influencer, like I said before, there are endless opportunities for a variety of brands and a variety of people to get involved in influencer marketing. Okay. Now, speaking of influencers, you mentioned uh, perhaps your fifth issue here is that uh, influencers will be testing new platforms. Let's talk about that for a second or so. Yeah, man. Oh, boy. Um, Every time you turn around, it seems like there's a new platform or even a new feature within an existing platform that's launching. So as marketers, we have to educate ourselves on this constantly, which is extremely exciting and a little bit stressful. Obviously, in 2021, we saw the insane rise of TikTok. And then Instagram launches Reels to compete. And then Snapchat comes back up, and they try to incentivize creators to come back to that platform. So it's constantly changing. And with all this competition, it's honestly an exciting time because it's a time that allows our content creators to dabble on these different platforms to see where their content potentially resonates. So the same thing goes for a brand. So marketers shouldn't really be afraid then to go ahead and dabble on different platforms because that's really just going to help them maximize the investment. The cool part about influencers is not only are they creating content for their own channels, you're tapping into their audience, their name, and their likeness. But a lot of times we're negotiating contracts where we have rights to their content as well. So we want to make sure that we're maximizing this um, investment that we're doing in consumer marketing content. And that means it doesn't just have to live organically in feed on social, but we could also consider using it in pre-roll or digital ads, or even, man, we're using an influencer in a print advertorial. So if we're paying for this content and we have a great partnership, don't be afraid to test and learn where it works best. And where it works best on March of 2021 might not be where it makes the most sense down the road. Um, We just sat in yesterday, my team, on a webinar about Clubhouse. And so that's something where you take the visual aspect out of it completely. And that is more of a podcast-driven voice interaction as opposed to you go to Instagram for beautiful photos and some fun story content. But it is constantly changing. We have to have a finger on the pulse of it. And as marketers, not be afraid to dabble and see where content performs the best. Mm-hmm. Well, just what I would ask, because in this discussion, I very seldom hear the mention of Facebook and YouTube uh, as platforms being used. Have they slipped out of the uh, discussion? Or how are they being, and if they are, how are they being used in the uh, influencer market? Yes and no. Definitely not YouTube. That is will always be you know a place for really great long-form content. So there will be a time and a place for brands to dabble in YouTube. They're in the home and DIY space and you're renovating a room or painting a room, something like that. There will always be a place, you know, for more of that long form content that people will be interested in. And then Facebook, honestly, that can help for a variety of different reasons. It will go away. I mean, they own obviously Instagram. So my paid counterparts will certainly want us to be having some stuff that runs on Facebook so we can do some great ad um, advertising on the paid side. So there certainly is a time and a place for them, but Instagram will probably remain supreme in terms of influencer platforms. But again, TikTok rose up so quickly last year. So we need to be keeping our eye on what they're doing and then what these other older, if you will, feels weird to say that about something like that because it's only been about a decade, but the older platforms to see what they're doing to evolve. So Snapchat, like I said, was kind of going by the wayside, and there have been all these articles about people that are jumping back on board 
and producing a ton of content and getting incentivized to the platform. So while you think about the new ones, I don't think the Facebooks of the world are going to go anywhere if Mark Zuckerberg has anything to say with it. <laughs> okay. Lauren, you provided us with a great amount of information uh, today. Is there anything that you'd like to mention that perhaps we did not touch on? You know, these are predictions. If 2020 taught us anything, it was completely unpredictable. So, you know, I would love to talk with you guys toward the end of the year to see what changes we saw over this. And you can hold my feet to the fire, but I do feel pretty confident that a lot of this stuff is going to hold true because 2020 set the groundwork for it. And I'm glad that some of the changes were made. And, you know, working with influencers is always evolving and always exciting. And, you know, 2021 is just another year where we'll see a lot of change and are looking forward to what's to come. Well, thank you so much. Uh, My guest today has been Lauren McNutts, who is the Senior Director for Word of Mouth Marketing uh, at uh, Empower, Empower Media Marketing in Cincinnati, Ohio. So if you've enjoyed the show, please, we'd like to have you subscribed and uh, please join us for the very next edition of Public Relations Review Podcast. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies, an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us. Hi, this is Peter Woolfolk speaking. Now, first of all, thank you so very much for listening to the podcast. Now, I am very excited to let you know that the podcast is now available on Amazon Alexa. You know the drill. Simply say, Alexa, play Public Relations Review Podcast, and she'll take it from there. And again, thank you for listening. And if you enjoy the program, please become a subscriber. Now, on to the podcast.